0: Dr. Glass. The room you're in is damp, mold and mildew coating every surface. It's identical to the apartment upstairs in layout and you find yourself just around the corner tucked into one of the rooms hiding with Trevor waiting for your captor turned prisoner return with supplies. Dredgewell. That psychic energy starts to return to you. Like when a wave comes back in in a tsunami, the water having pulled out and now re-emerging. It's a dreadful feeling. Your cane, however, Often, it feels like a psychic void, a bottomless pit absorbing this psionic energy. You feel your mental energy when it sinks into it, like water down a waterfall, effortlessly. Yet, in this moment, there's impotence. It's as if so much energy is absorbing into it, it can't gather it fast enough. You feel it being collected. And in this moment, Esper, standing in the stairwell, waiting to hear a noise of a dark, possibly evil figure. Coming back down with bated breath as you wait for Nihilus and Dredgewell to return with something so you can leave, you too feel something. That emptiness lessened. As if the similar psychic energy that Dr. Glass senses you absorb. For the foreseeable future, please roll everything with advantage.
1: I can do
2: that. Both of us or Esper?
0: Just Esper. And finally, standing holding a crowbar... Dredgewell, it's stuck into a crate. Looks towards Nihilus for an answer. Am I opening this or not? Fine, let's get this thing over with. I'm keeping my eye on you. On the top floor, the man had tilted his head into the air, closing his eyes, feeling the energies surrounding him, scanning the building. Finally... He says,
3: Oh,
4: you must have just left, didn't you? Let's go collect you.
0: As he looks down towards the floor, unbeknownst to Dr. Glass, looking directly at her position.
2: As my senses return, do I sense that thought? Even if it's not in direct words?
0: No. In fact, you have an increased reach of your psychic abilities right now. And all you hear in your head when you turn your attention towards the top floor where this man is, is torrents of psychic energy, white noise. It's screams.
2: She reminds herself that symptoms are information and tries to detach from her powers as best she can to shut out the nexus and steps out of her hiding spot as quickly as possible, saying to Trevor, it's too late, we have to go. Esper was right to begin with. And she tries to get Esper in her line of sight as quickly as possible. When she sees Esper, if she does, tell me if she doesn't.
0: You step out of the apartment you're hiding in and into the hall near the vestibule near the entrance to the building. And there you see, in the doorway of the stairwell, Esper silently standing
2: And she's about to speak in Esper's mind, and she decides against it. And she just makes a big gesture of "come on," and uh, like lifts her pocket watch as though to say, "like now."
1: Esper is going to take that signal, and, and there's there's little room for any other interpretation for for them. They're going to step a little further down the stairs so that they can, you know, whisper yell down there. We have to go. Now, back up the stairs going to meet with glass but keep an eye on that basement door
0: he nods towards Nihilus then it's now and as he takes the crowbar bends it downward the box, the crate the wood splinters and shatters upwards and as he opens the crate from within you find an obsidian ball sitting on a bale of hay that's been stacked to protect it. Its material is identical to that of Dr. Glass's cane. The building starts to shake in this moment. And a fissure forms all the way from the top floor to the bottom and further down. The entire building shakes as it's pulled apart in two halves. Right in front of you, Dr. Glass, you stand on one of the hemispheres. You and Trevor, across from Esper in the stairwell, and looking down through the fissure, meeting your eye if you look upward, is this man.
2: She gives him a polite little wave, and she says to Trevor, Get the fuck out of here as fast as you can. Oh, and by the way, uh, I forgive you for everything yesterday. And he has bardic inspiration.
3: Okay.
0: You can see him looking down directly into Doctor Glass's eyes from the top floor, and at the last second, he turns and walks
3: towards the stairwell.
2: O- off we go. No point. No point in waiting.
3: Yes. How wide is this gap that's been ripped in the middle of the building?
0: 20 feet from end to end.
3: Okay. Uh, well, I might be able to, uh, cross that gap on my own, but not with you.
2: No, I think I should start to make my way and you'll still catch up with me. Yeah. Yeah, all right. And I know what you're going to say to this, but I have to say it anyway. You should strongly consider going in a different direction than me, because I don't think it's you he's flirting with. <sighs> uh, okay. Uh. And she goes. She's knows she's slower, so she starts making her way away. She does not know to where.
3: Trevor is just going to stand at one end of, of the gap. He's not going to try to jump over. He is waiting for them, uh, waiting for the rest of the group just seeing what they're going to try to do to get over, and he's going to try and assist in any way he can.
4: How is this going to help us?
3: He takes it. I'm
4: sorry. Every other crate has been useful.
5: But What in that mission did you do? He looks towards the the, the breakage, and he, if allows, he particularly sees that Dr. Glass is um, getting away and knowing her nature, and he casts uh, Hunter's Mark on Dr. Glass. As he says to the guy, I knew I couldn't trust you for a second. Um, but then he, as he approaches Dredgewell, he looks into the box. I suppose Nihilus would recognize that it's made of the same material, or would that be difficult to notice?
0: You would certainly recognize it, yes. It's, it's identical. It's crystalline structure, it's jagged edges, it's similarity to obsidian.
5: I don't know if this is retcon or whatever or something, but would Nihilus have any idea of, like, the weight of it? Like, does it look like something he can carry? It's like baseball-sized, and when he holds it, he's an old man, he struggles
0: a little bit. You can guess that it's weighty, but for you, it would be very easy to carry. <sighs> If
5: we don't have any time, we have to leave now. This is my last chance of giving you a moment to survive this. Grab whatever the hell you need and get out of here. Anywhere.
0: Pierre shoves it into your chest. I don't need this. And he starts hobbling over towards the stairs. As he gets into the doorway, he sees Esper on the top. What does he see when he looks at Esper?
1: There was a... Oh, God. Wide-eyed looking back and forth between Trevor and the stairway as they're standing back up to full height. And with them, their pack on the ground, pulling out a piece of rope.
3: Uh, th- throw it over.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chucks it as hard as she can while holding on to one end. It's 50 feet of rope, so it should make it.
0: It does.
3: Uh, is going to try and uh, grab onto the other end.
0: Mm-hmm. You can definitely do so. You can catch it.
3: Come on, we gotta go now.
5: All right. All right. <laughs> and he goes to follow Esper. Lead.
1: You go 1st your You're. Uh, I don't know if you can jump it on your own. Fine. I'll hold it. I'll hold it too.
5: He tries to be as careful as he can, but it's a combination of doing something he's not proficient in, concentrating on a spell, and his eyes' perception is trying to keep on a lookout, it's trying to juggle while drinking, while speaking to your stepmother. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, and yet he has to try either way.
0: Mm-hmm. And what you're you're uh, climbing over across the gap using the rope? Yes. Uh, Trevor and Esper, please roll a combined athletics check. Uh, I'm going to say the DC on this will be 30 cumulatively together. So if average of 15
3: each. Okay.
1: Oh boy. I have rolled a natural one for a six.
3: Uh, uh, well that's a 16.
0: Nihilus. Mm. You put your hand on Esper's shoulder... As you climb onto the rope, grabbing on, you start moving across. You get halfway until Trevor, while you're holding Stalwar steady, Esper, your side is coated with this thick, kind of murky moss, this sludge that is built up in this withering building, and you start to slide. Nihilus, you feel the rope become less taut as in a V shape, it starts sinking down in the center. And you have a reaction. Esper, Trevor, and Nihilus.
3: Oh, boy.
1: I think the best thing that I can do is, I guess, what would be akin to a- a- attempting to grapple with this rope and pull it back
3: top.
0: You can roll another athletics check.
3: Uh, with this happening, if Esper were to let go of the rope and. Nihilus were to hold on would the drop be enough to bring him close to danger
0: I would ask an athletics check in this case from Trevor and Nihilus combined if Esper were to let go and Nihilus would have to hold on while the rope falls from one side he swings and he would hit the wall
1: Esper did roll a 16 this time are you rolling with advantage no I'm not Ooh. I have advantage on it. all of the things. Everything. Uh, that's uh, 22 instead.
0: You feel stronger in this moment. There's an energy with you, in you that you can't place where it's coming from. As you hold onto this rope, your grip tightening around it so much so that you feel even the rope squish beneath your hands. And just as you start to slip, you hold yourself steady. And Nihilus, you... Are able to clamber over to the other side, grabbing onto Trevor's shoulder, jumping onto solid ground, as Dredgewell now walks up to Esper.
4: Alright. My turn.
1: Get to, get to it.
0: He's going to climb up. Come on. He begins climbing across the rope, and he's rolling an acrobatics check.
5: nice is gonna help Trevor however he can, what strength that he has.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: As he gets to the center, his hand slips for a moment as he's holding on with the other. You see him dangling from the rope, but somehow this elderly man is able to get his hand back onto the rope and make it just that short distance further to meet Trevor on the other side. As Esper, you now hear footsteps approaching you on the stairwell. It's your reaction, your turn He's not to you yet.
1: And Dredgewell has cleared the gap. He has. She's not even waiting. She's going to grab, 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 like she's trying to collect the rope up, and she is jumping while trying to climb her rope to give herself a shorter distance.
3: While she's doing that, Trevor is going to lay down facing the edge of of the gap, lay down on his stomach supine, holding out his arm just to see if he can grasp their hand as she's jumping.
5: Roll athletic Zesper. And Nihilus is going to hold his action to cast Lightning Lure as a, a last resort, even though it might damage her to pull them closer.
0: I say 13. As you jump, holding onto the rope, you slam against the wall, taking five bludgeoning damage on the other side. We are able to climb up high enough to grab Trevor's hand and be pulled up to the surface. Come
6: on. Oh, fuck. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah.
1: Those first few strides are clumsy and almost limping as they're trying to struggle to get the air back into their lungs but the moment Esper is over and clear time to run well,
3: we've got our daily workout let's get out of it alright go 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 go
0: you all run for the exit Trevor's winded as hell Trevor wheezing as you make your way to the vestibule and out the front door breach into the salt wastes where the air is so wretched that it could kill you And just before you turn the corner, Esper, towards the door, you see the man standing at the ledge of the gap. And in this moment, though I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, you're about to get out of there. Knowing what you know about him, you can tell he had foregone doing anything to prevent your escape. He looked at you. And he had the opportunity to. As he stands on the edge, you round the corner and you're out with the rest.
1: Okay, this is a long shot and, and either way is definitely fine. But Esper felt that surge of the something. And she felt strengthened by it. And it's unfamiliar. And I think it would feel a little bit to Esper like something associated with Dr. Glass. So as she's looking at this man, is there any possibility that she can reach for him mentally? Like, she's asking him internally why he didn't stop them.
0: And how are you trying to do that? You're you're making thoughts, basically?
1: Essentially. This is very unfamiliar to Esper, but she's trying something she doesn't know will work. It's like she's focusing all of her vision, and with it, she hopes her thoughts as she's asking him why.
0: Hmm. Please roll a d20 straight, having 10 be the DC, making it a 50-50 chance.
1: That is an 18.
0: First of all, Trevor, Nihilus, and Dr. Glass, who you've made some distance, but you're not a runner so close enough you see as Esper the last one to breach the door to the building falls to the ground her body just slamming against the piles of salt on the outside and she's momentarily unconscious oh shit what do you do?
2: I stop frozen it, she's far away from us now right? I, I was dashing
0: She's close to Nihilus and Trevor. Definitely close enough.
2: She... She looks to Nihilus, wide-eyed, to see... Kind of, to see if Esper is alive.
4: What are you doing? We have to go! Just do something! Leave her
3: or take her! But, uh, what? What? <laughs> uh, what the heck's going cool today? Uh, let's, let's grab her!
2: And... And when Nihilus doesn't act immediately, she starts going, uh, hobbling back towards... She knows Nihilus has a, a, a healer's kit that she's never seen him use. Uh, this tells her he doesn't know how, so she goes back.
0: That's fair. She's breathing. Softly, even. like
5: she's a, Almost like she's asleep. He's just... He knows we all have to get out of there. They all have to get out of her. So <laughs> he's just simply gonna carrying a person. It's all they really can think of. It's such a simple thought that, even well, with his clever mind, you can not think of something else to do. Could I give a little flavor to this? Sure.
1: Because I think Esper did something absolutely out of their wheelhouse, this is not something they've ever been able to do. This is quite possibly something they'll never be able to do again. It took an immense mental strain on their part and when Nihilus picks Esper up he's going to notice that there is blood slowly oozing and dripping and already forming trails out of her nose
0: <laughs> Nihilus you grab Esper Trevor I imagine you grab the other arm and together you lift her up getting two arms around both of you and moving as quickly as you can you follow along with Dr. Glass getting out of here Dredrel takes out this crystal from his bag. He points it towards the sky.
4: All right, uh,
0: this way. And putting it away, he makes haste along with you in a direction. And I, I guess at this point, you just have to trust him unless you're doing something else.
5: Before completely leaving, Nihilus... Um... Speaks out some Latin word thing, and it will cast Tomaturgy and thirty feet away in a completely different direction, trying to create a loud booming, hoping to distract this mysterious follower.
0: Okay, noted. And now, Esper, you remember being on her royal rose and having had a vision, salt people encrusted, and later again. In a very similar way, similar feeling, you open your eyes and you're standing in a room. It's round, dark, similar to the material made of Dr. Glass's cane. In the center, you see a pillar, depictions of all sorts of Battles, people, almost like hieroglyphs, telling a tale. it slowly raises. The only other person who's seen this room among the group is Dr. Glass. And standing in this room, there is that man. That man who looked across that gap towards you. Who you opened your mind to. And taking a step in your direction.
4: You don't belong here. This isn't your place. What does, what does that matter?
1: Why? Why why are you c- coming after us?
4: Your friend is headed down a dangerous path. One that could be catastrophic.
1: And, and and you think you are you are helping us or her by 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 coming here and and trying to kill us? What 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 do you, what do you think you're doing?
4: Well, you've proven yourselves dangerous. You killed some important people. You upset the balance, and quite frankly, you have the Vanthorns all up in the hackles. I've never seen them so upset. I actually find it quite funny.
1: Wouldn't be surprised. You're probably... You're probably working for them.
4: In a sense, I work for the common good. And the Van right now are part of that good. Whether it's... clear or not.
1: No. I don't... I don't think that I agree. And... uh, I think that you are maybe giving us a little too much credit, because we don't know what we're doing. We just want our friends back, and I know you you killed one of them, and we want to make it out of here.
4: You said you know that I killed one of them, now how could that possibly be, young lady?
1: I don't really know I don't know but I know he's he's dead and the moment I heard you talk it was a familiar tone I know you were you were in the room with him so you must have done it
4: Uh, now it started to come together I, I reckon
0: he steps forward with a finger and he Pokes your head.
1: Cut your cut your goddamn hand off! You touched me again.
4: <laughs> You're something special, aren't you?
1: No. I'm just a weird kid with problems. That's all. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I'll make a deal with you. Your friends live. Nobody gets hurt. And you should consider that an honor because I don't often even bother to have this conversation, but judging by the fact that you made it here, you're someone special.
1: And what what do I have to pay in return for their safety?
4: You just have to bring your friend... To the Citadel. You bring her there. Everybody else lives.
1: But she doesn't, is is what you mean.
4: I did not say that. She too will be unharmed. And then when she's in... Our... Possession. You can go back your days, pretend like you never knew her, because to the world, she'll be gone. All right. Now I want you to know something.
0: And he looks towards the pillar, which slowly rises from the ground, an infinite story being told by it, and you see on it Nihilus holding a black orb, you see Dr. Glass holding a cane in the air standing by an altar, and you see yourself, at least what you imagine is yourself, it's just a stick figure but you feel it's yours. He continues
4: We wouldn't want to Upset the story being told And if you Tell anybody of this I'll know And I'll just resume my trek to go collect her myself But You do as I ask I'll stop chasing you I'll go right back to where I came from and I'll wait for my package. Alright. Good. Now, do me mindful around the Van Thorns. They're not a bunch you want to upset.
1: She just looks scornfully at him.
4: Or not. I could just send you on your way but what you do with what life you have left is up to you.
1: Fine.
4: You can leave now.
1: There's a, a pause, and Esper's eyes darting around a little bit. And they realize. I think he's gonna realize quickly, too Esper doesn't know how to leave.
4: Oh, uh. You just. You just think real hard. Just like you do when you. Saw me kill your friends the first
0: time. Taps on your head.
4: And. If you start thinking. That you want to leave, you will.
1: I think the tap on the forehead really does it. Esper does not want to be touched by this man at all, so she wants to get away from him.
0: Nihilus and Trevor, Esper starts coming too. And I want to ask if everybody's okay with a short time skip to abridge an escape. Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay. You hear the whipping of salt storms outside as you're in a rickety wooden structure. You have to keep the gas masks on because it's still not so clean, the air here, but it's better and it's shelter. Dredgewell sits silently in an old chair, looking out of a window and Esper, you come, to next to a fireplace that's been put together by Trevor. Trevor and Nihilus, being nearby, you see this immediately.
5: How are you feeling? I <clears>
1: do <throat> not <sighs>
5: fucking wonderful. You are alive.
1: I'm trying to push themselves up boiling the dried blood flakes off of their upper mouth. You sound
2: wonderful. Dr. Glass grabs those smelling salts that are particularly good with psychic damage and cracks them under her nose.
3: Oh. Man, feel, it's all right. It's all right. not
6: on me. Do in the sand. Come on. <laughs> oh, I think it went away. I hate that.
5: We were worried. What happened? I, th-
1: I think I did something that I shouldn't have. Or I... I didn't think I was a... It was weird. It was... It was magic-ish. But I... Something, something came up in me while we were while we were trying to get out and I, I, when we were running I saw him and I just I did what I thought meant reaching out and it it worked oh
3: my okay uh, let's rewind a bit
2: she sees things and experiences things that most people don't know how to most people never experience
3: Trevor, uh, hearing uh, Dr. Blas say that's it, uh, I, I, I get it. Uh, it. It's a lot for everybody. It's a lot for everybody. Is what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who that was. I don't know why the building came apart. I don't know anything. Okay. So, sorry if I'm a little freaked out. But let's figure this out, right? You don't need to be sorry.
2: Yes, of course. But Esper is the one who knows.
1: It's a lot. I don't know what it was that made me think that I could do it. I just... Something feels... Bigger. In me. That I didn't know it was there. And I, I realized when I looked back and I saw him... He wasn't doing anything. He, he, he wasn't trying to come after us. So I, I just asked him why, and the next thing that I know, I'm in some dark room. There's, there's this pole, stone pole or something. It had these drawings all over it, and he was, he was there. He's, he must work for the Vanthorns. He must. He's coming after us because they're upset, and. He thinks that he thinks that you're 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 heading towards something bad, Doctor Glass. He wants to stop you from getting there. He, and he let me go because he thought he was making a deal with me. He wants he wants me to, to deliver you to the 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 big the big place, you know, back at Port Hillcrest. You could see it. We went by in the cable car sometimes. The tall, the middle... The... the citadel? Yes, yes, the citadel, that... He wants me to bring you there. And I only said yes because I wanted him to let me go. Well, that was... that was wise, and... I, I don't want to give you to them. He made it sound like nobody would ever see you again.
2: Well, we can discuss that more later, and what you've given me is the chance to make... an informed decision. So
1: thank you for that. Esper. He said... Uh, yes. He, he said he would back off for now, too. I'm, I'm very glad for that, because after what he did to that building, I... I don't think I, I want to meet him again sometimes.
2: Can you tell us more about what you saw before? When you were able to warn us... to leave... You, you saw him kill... Did you say it was Ken?
1: When we, when we got back to the bunker. This, I don't know how I did it, but I just... When I was falling to rest, I wanted I wanted to see where they were. And I, I dreamed in a way that I don't think I normally dream. But I, I saw through that man's eyes... I saw him asking Kevin questions in a in a it looked like it was an underground kind of bunker. He asked Kevin Ken he asked Ken questions. Ken Ken wouldn't tell him anything about us. And then the the man killed he killed him. He slid he slid his throat. Ken Ken's dead.
2: Esperanza There are a lot more things I want to ask you. How much can you handle right now?
1: I um No, we sh- we should talk about these things. We sh- we should. We're in we're in deep.
2: And the first thing I want to say, in fact, and she adjusts herself to sit more officially across from her and takes her hands and slowly waits for Esper to look her in the eyes. Uh, I don't know if Esper would.
1: I think it would be something that you notice that Esper has difficulty with, but eventually, after a couple glances up and then away, she kind of pulls herself stalwart and looks you in the eye. Dr. Glass wouldn't insist upon it,
2: but she's found that people tend to uh, that her eyes have a bit of a magnetic effect and she says to her and this is no there's no I promise there's no like class feature coming this isn't a manipulation or uh, a spell or anything this is just what she used to do for a living Uh, she, she looks at you and she says now Esper I know that You experience strange things, and your whole life no one has believed them. And it's been very dangerous for you to talk about them. So I understand why you didn't tell us about what you saw in the bunker. And my hope is that together we can help you grow comfortable with... Telling us more as you learn more. Because it's obvious that you are an extraordinary individual. Not just by what you've seen, which I've sensed from the beginning that you had some sort of intuition like that. But the fact that you were able to... Whatever you did with that man, that... That man tore a building in half... With his mind, Esperanza. Yeah yeah, he, he did. He old building. And he struck a deal with you. And I hope you appreciate that. What you've done. I don't I don't know. That's all right. It just felt like I could buy time. And it seems that you have. I don't know what else you saw him do, but look at us all here.
1: Speaking of the us all here, Nylas and Trevor, what kind of expression do they have? Do they seem more weirded out or is it a more calm kind of situation or what? Trevor freaking out?
3: Trevor is definitely, after setting up the fire and sitting at the campfire, is... Doing his best to hide his emotions currently, more or less is kind of shutting down. Um, you can hear that when uh, word came that Ken died and that Ken died without giving information, uh, Trevor's reaction uh, was a short burst of anger, quickly going back to the stoicism. You can tell that after that, once uh, Dr. Glass starts giving her spiel, uh, he kind of gets up from the campfire and he's just kind of pacing back and forth. Um, What he's truly thinking, uh, you're not sure.
5: Nihilus. Is it a bit of a a guardianic state? Uh, trying to think of where to go uh, to keep an eye on Dredge um, thinking what their next steps are going to be and specifically when Asperus looks into his direction it's he, he heard everything he understood everything but it's like this sense of unease that doesn't allow you to process your emotions and really it's like, it's like a big sigh Thing off his shoulders, and he, he also doesn't understand what the heck's going on here. And he, he, he really tries to listen, and he tries to make eye contact, but there's just a bit sense of confusion and discomfort. Uh, looking back, before he his eyes veer off onto the surroundings once again.
3: I, I do imagine that uh, during this time. Trevor and Nihilus probably do lock eyes at some point and just like there's not a word coming from Trevor but looking over at how winded and exhausted Esper is and seeing the new developments that they've been having you know there's just that look of like what am I doing here there's like I need to do something, and I have no idea what, and that's freaking me out.
5: Lila sees that, and in his own mind, he feels like he's at fault. He's supposed to be someone who guides people who's, who should have the answer. He simply doesn't. There's a bit of shame and guilt, and he breaks off the eye contact, even as he tries to look out for answers as if they're on the horizon. Like... <laughs> like, it's not up to him to make up the decisions. Like, he's trying to find the answers, and, you know... Just... Looks.
0: Nihilus, looking around the room, looking for answers, wherever they might be, your attention, for some reason, that you can't place, is drawn for a moment to Dr. Glass's cane, which leans up against her chair where she's sitting. And... You almost observe a magnetism because the cane starts to slip and then falls to the ground, hitting that round obsidian ball, which then rolls off the table and falls to the ground itself.
5: Uh, uh, Rich, what is this?
2: I mean, that would draw everyone's attention from the sound, right? So Mm -hmm. Dr. Glass is looking at it. Um, Does she immediately know what it is?
0: (laughs) Please roll history
2: that's a 20 on history
0: I
4: I don't know what it is I wanted it to be food what can you tell us about it? it was in one of the crates where I get my supplies from It was obviously a, a different crate but I think I was expecting more
0: and Dr. Glass as you look at it it's material bearing a similar nature to your cane. You remember back a time with Abelard.
2: Dear, dear man.
0: You were sitting in his office along with Lord Felix Royce. Two chairs in front of his desk. You in one of them, him in the other. As Royce says, We should be finding out how to use this power. I think every time we spend in theory is a waste. Abelard, now, now, let's focus on understanding what we have here. He takes that little shard that Lord Felix Royce had given you on a walk a long time ago. It holds a lot of power. As you can tell, you can sense it. I know you can. He puts it on the table. But what kind of power? What happens if we tune into it? Maybe we go mad.
2: Abelard, you know I don't like jokes about that.
0: Yes. <laughs> I, I... I didn't... I, I was being serious, though. Oh, well, in that case... We don't know what it can do. And if we just seek power then we'll inevitably stumble our way into danger. Right? No, of course not. We'll overcome it. Felix. We're more powerful than anybody else out there. Dr. Glass, you too. I know you just got here, but you're more powerful than quite anybody else out there.
2: All right, Felix. It's not exactly scientific to begin with the conclusion you hope to reach. We have to look at the evidence. That's very kind of you to say, but I'm not sure what you're basing it on.
0: Here's my evidence. And telepathically, one of Abelard's shelves is just cleared out as everything tumbles to the ground. Felix. You know how I could do that? He tunes in his thoughts, and you feel a wave of psychic energy through the room. Abelard sits back, like, been there, done that. All I did was look at that shard and feel its energy. And overnight, overnight, I learned how to do that.
2: All right. What does that have to do with me and my alleged power,
0: Felix? I'm just saying, we're in the same boat. We should learn this together. Abelard starts. Sure. We'll do our due diligence. You stare into that thing. Who knows what you'll learn and who knows where you'll end up? Dr. Glass, what's your opinion on it? Should we spend more time in practical research? Peering our minds into this abyss that is this small shard? Should we go Lord Felix Royce's route? Or mine, where we will observe from a distance, make small changes. It could take years, maybe even decades.
2: I think you both know I'm not quite like either of you. The research I've been doing, and she hesitates here because she's been a bit private about her research, but both of them know I'm trying to figure out. The effects all this has on us, on our minds. I'm not trying to clear out shelves. Uh, I, what's power for if not to help people? If harnessing this has a net
0: loss,
2: what's it all for, Abelard?
0: I agree. I completely agree. We don't know what the effect will be And so, I posture that we don't study it. Dr. Glass, you are the only trained doctor here. I'm an archaeologist. Lord Felix Royce, spoiled rich kid. Hey!
2: (laughs) Avalard, let's be nice.
0: You get what Uh, I'm saying, though. So, Dr. Glass, doctor our way to a conclusion here. I will take whatever you tell me.
2: I don't have a conclusion. Uh don't act like I'm taking a side here. I want to know more. I am a doctor. I want knowledge. I want to do more. But Felix, you have to understand my career. I've seen one of my dearest friends developed drugs that were supposed to help people with addiction and it only caused more addiction. This is we have to be careful and we have to know why. That ...happened with the noblest of possible intentions, and it's still... Felix, I just wish you could try to explain what it's for.
0: There are a lot of people out there suffering today. More than I think any of us care to witness. You've walked onto the back alleys. You see poverty the suffering the starvation and suddenly there's an island where insurmountable amount of wealth is being generated making entire civilizations rise up from their shackles that's what this is this is an island a mental one And if we conquer it, we can possibly do good.
2: And maybe that's why they're locking us away, Felix. To stop us from doing just that.
0: I don't know. They don't understand. That's why. They're afraid. Everybody's afraid.
2: I know. And that's... You can't talk about fear as though it renders people weak and pathetic. It renders people weak and dangerous.
0: I tend to agree. I say we take this, picks it up, and he wraps it back in the cloth. Immediately that psychic connection is diminished, muffled. I put it in my safe, we take it out occasionally, and we study it, and take our time. Dr. Glass! Come on. Take my side for once.
2: Lord you are sounding like you actually want to... Pretend we don't have this.
0: No, no. I think we should take our time. Unravel the mysteries. And maybe the next generation will be able to do much more with it. We continue to study it, but... We don't just dive into it. And let it wreak havoc on our minds. Not that that's going to happen, but
4: take our time
2: Felix we'll talk more about this I I don't have to go check alleyways to see the misery and injustice in this world I spent decades with elbows deep in it and that's why I know there's rarely one magic key. It solves everything. <laughs> we'll talk more about this, all of us.
0: Felix, in a last-ditch effort, tries to posture to you one final time, looking exhausted and exasperated because it's not what he wants to put this thing away. He wants nothing more than to snatch it off the table and study it and directly and engage in it and he takes the letter opener out of the little quill holder on the table and cuts a slit in his hand squeezes a little bit and blood drops onto the floor you know what the priests say about this it takes them time energy and only the highest orders can do anything about this To heal, I've even heard of those at the top bringing people back, loved ones, family members. He opens his palm, and as he concentrates, the wound closes. That's the kind of good we could be doing, and that's with one night.
2: That sounds awfully fast, Felix. And she goes to him and, and puts a hand on his shoulder. I want you to be able to do good. But I don't want you to lose your mind.
3: Please,
6: for once, be one of the people who listen to me based on the th- things I've seen and I know. You know what happened to my aunt. I'm trying to figure out why it happened to her so that it doesn't happen to you.
0: Yeah, I heard you. He looks at Abelard.
6: God damn it, you little brat. Sit down for just a second. I did not leave a 40-year career of having men disregard everything I had to say, of hating when I'm right, so that you, a so-called friend, could do it to me, to my face, when I'm trying to help you. One time, I don't have the answer you want, and that's what I get. Look at... Felix, look at me. What will it take? Will I have to lose my mind in front of you? What do you think it will take, Abelard, before someone believes me? How many times will I have to be right before someone fucking listens to me for fucking once?
0: You you feel his energy. It's seething. He's holding in an incredible amount of anger, perhaps too much for a person. Like, you can see it on his face... And you feel even his chair, though he stood up and pushed it out, it continues sliding back almost on its own slowly. There's a rage building and he looks you in the eye.
6: What will it take? Will I have to lose my mind in front of you? No. What do you think it will take, Abelard, before someone believes me? How many times will I have to be right before someone fucking listens to me for fucking once?
0: He turns towards Abelard. I think we're done here. Abelard looks back. We'll come back to it. No answers need to be made right now. And Lord Felix Royce leaves the room. Abelard looks at you. Dr. Glass, I... I try my best with him. I do want to want to do the right thing, but I don't know what the right thing is. And so I, I, I take caution instead. He's just
2: young. It's not wrong to want more. To want this world to be different than what it is.
0: If there's one thing I've learned in my years. It's that the world will never change overnight and any promises of that are usually just false promises unbridled hope for some we'll get there
2: that's true but but once you get to a place where it seems that just the world will never change at all I suppose, what does it matter if you go mad or don't go mad? Might as well try something big.
0: You're starting
4: to sound like Mr. Royce.
2: Yes, I was trying to demonstrate empathy and explain to you where he was coming from, Abelard. Yes. It's a skill I have. What did you think I was about to run off and inject this rock into my veins and destroy Crowperch or whatever you're afraid Felix is going to do?
4: <laughs> no, no, no. But let me tell you, that boy is going to be the death of me. Me too.
0: And as you look over to that ball in the room, you recognize a curve. its curve, its, its edges look to be like a fully formed version of that same shard. Maybe that shard was a piece of something like this, whatever it is. And you will too notice that your cane, it didn't just slip and fall. It almost felt magnetized to it fell the other direction, hit tapping it as they both fell to the ground. Now, it rendered inert by a a stronger force of gravity.
2: Oh, I see. I pulled the cane back to my hand telekinetically, and I sort of tapped the orb with the head of the cane, Abelard's cane.
0: Esper, you feel that tap reverberate from within your soul, within your chest. Uh,
1: Did it happen when the two the cane dropped and the orb was attracted to it?
0: At that moment, you two felt it, but it was like a jolt. You know that feeling when you're about to fall asleep and and you're just jolted awake like you're almost falling? This time you feel it again. You know it's related.
1: There's something about that that ball. It... I think it's like the one on your cane. Maybe. It's not, no, it's not normal.
2: Yes, it's, there's a specific substance that's connected to uh, the Void, the Nexus. Felix said that it was found on this island in unusual quantities. It helps me. Or I can use it to, uh... channel greater power, perhaps. I think Felix might have, uh, killed my mentor for just a fraction. Uh, for just a a shard. This is more than I've
1: ever seen. Wait. Esper's going to slowly walk toward that orb. The feeling that they had described earlier about something growing in themselves, does that get stronger?
0: Please roll insight.
1: I'm so wonderful at insight. Oh, that's a natural 20.
0: A natural 20. As you step forward, You, too, feel Dr. Glass's cane and the orb. Between you, the cane, and the orb, there is a draw. In the same way it was magnetized or attracted to, you feel that, not that you want to, but you're almost being propositioned to take a step closer to them.
1: I'm tempted to ask if I can make a roll myself to see whether or not I give in to that temptation.
0: Trevor, Nihilus, you two feel for a moment your eyes drawn to the window. Instinct, what have you. Regardless, you think you should look, and you do, I presume. And just at that moment, one of the shutters slams, closed in the wind. In this moment, you feel as though you almost expected it to happen.
3: Just look around. There weren't any of you, were it?
0: It was clearly the wind. It had whipped around the the house in such a way that just shook the shutter to, to the point where it slammed against the house. You know it was the wind because you could hear it and you expected it for some reason. Dr. Glass very similarly although you didn't have that initial pull you didn't flinch when it happened as if you knew it was going to but you don't know why
2: and this was when what was the exact trigger or do I not know
0: it just happened and and you expected it to
2: but it uh, was what was was Esther doing anything in relation to the cane and the orb
0: You noticed, perhaps standing in her place, she shifted her weight a little closer to it. I mean, people would do that. they shift their weight to be comfortable when they stand.
5: Nelis is going to pick up the orb. Um, And cast Identify on it. It sinks
0: deeper and deeper. Similar to when you cast Identify on Dr. Glass's cane... It just swallows up your spell. You can't pull it back out.
5: It's so peculiar. Ms.
2: Borira does have an interesting relationship to time. To the future. And I wonder if something about this uh, newfound tchotchka...
6: Makes that a bit contagious.
3: Okay, I'm just gonna say what I'm thinking. Um, I heard, I heard you guys talking. The war, the cane, the shark. It it feels like this is meant for folks like you, right? Like it, like it's like it's one and the same. Like it's cut from the same cloth. <sighs> So, what, what you decide to do with that is up to you guys, but we still got so much to do, so little time to do it, so, so little time, um, can we just, like, and he's gonna walk over uh, and try and uh, take the orb from Nihilus.
5: Nihilus gives it freeingly and willingly. Nihilus, as
0: Trevor walks over, you see him walk over and slap the orb out of your hand. Then you also see him walk over and take it and inspect it. You see him walk over and before he gets there, you drop it on the floor, startled. You see him walk over and in an effort to keep it away from you, throw it out the window. You see so many possibilities for the orb is taken out of your hand, and Trevor, you're now holding it.
5: Whoa! What? You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't see. Uh, you didn't see that? Felt that? I. I took the orb from you. 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 You took it. I drew it. You slapped it. Like twenty things happened in just a mere second. Wait. What if I tried? Hold. Hold. Hold it. And he tries to take it from Trevor.
0: Nihilus takes his hand and slams it into your chest as you drop the orb he grabs it with both of his hands you then see him simply take it out of your hand gently you see him grab it with both hands and throw it onto the ground as it shatters into a million pieces you see another quantity of possibilities before you realize it's no longer in your hand and Nihilus you're holding it yet Nihilus, you don't experience that, just Trevor.
5: Well?
3: Okay, uh, well that, that more or less says shit for me. We should not be screwing with this.
5: No, I agree. Whatever this thing is, it is mighty powerful, and I can't even seem to understand it. <laughs> but the only other thing that I can't is that. And the point towards the to cane.
2: All right, gentlemen the fact that you can't understand it immediately does not mean we're discarding it. Could you perhaps uh, you're welcome to put it aside and let
3: others deal with it or, or perhaps explain what just happened? Oh, I, I, I know, I know I, we ain't getting rid of this, no way no how, but uh so it was like you flip a coin, right? You flip a coin, heads or tails right What if you got heads and tails at the same time? And what if you got another coin's heads as well? And all the other coins as well? Nihilus, as Trevor observed, I think that orb
2: is more to do with, generally, Esper and myself. So perhaps one of us should carry it so that they and I can experiment. I nominate Esper personally.
5: Um, I think the absolute opposite. Since it's an unpredictable item in yeah. an unpredictable environment, I would try to keep it as far away from you two as possible.
2: It sounds like it was, in fact, very predictable. You both just had exactly the same experience when you did exactly the same thing. I want to
5: study it further.
2: Actually, this is a good moment, and then we will continue because I think, generally, gentlemen, I would suggest. That we would all benefit if you had a little bit more acceptance that we are going to encounter things you won't understand immediately. I think uh, last night, for example, uh, two nights ago, rather, when we first arrived at our my house, yes, gracious (laughs) hosts, yes. Uh, I think there's a tendency to when you don't understand what. Someone else says immediately to reject it. And perhaps let's just agree now that all of us are going to encounter things that we do not understand, because this is a very strange
4: place. Like I was only going to turn you into a beehive if you died from the beast, but you didn't.
2: Yes, that's that's so helpful and germane to my point, Judge Well, thank you. So very much. All I'm saying is perhaps when we encounter something baffling, instead of reacting like a caveman and wanting to kill it, we could just take a second and say, Oh, that's something new.
5: That reminds me to A couple of times when we did, in fact, kill it. But I do hear what you're saying we should kill less.
2: Killing the idea.
5: Ah, right. I I meant the living things.
2: You think that we have killed people we ought not to
5: have? Possibly. But that is for another time. I do hear what you're saying and I do try to keep an open mind as I have to. Um, But I really believe that it is safest for right now until we know further in more study away from any other sources of magnetic pulling or otherwise triggering effects.
0: You almost in this moment, Dr. Glass, hear Abelard's voice. It's the same thing he would have said. Then you can also feel Felix in the background scouring or scorning the the sentiment.
3: You can tell that uh, now Trevor is kind of like Kinda hurt a little bit, but uh, he's just gonna kind of real low key say, "I I just wanted to, uh, you know, if we don't know what it does, it might be best to keep it away from the people that it would most affect. If it would, if it would hurt you, that's all I said. If you want to take it, you can."
2: I understand that, and I accept that uh, uh, Nihilus can hold on to it. I is reacting more to the general panic around it, that because it was doing something you would never experienced before, you are treating it as obviously, inherently volatile and
3: harmful. That's what you said, Doctor. I didn't say nothing of the kind. I freaked out, because it's freaky, and I think that's a reasonable... Feeling to have, I've had so many things that were unexplainable happen to me in the past few days. I'm the last time I faced something unexplainable. I got maybe two weeks to live, dog, and that's by exploring the unexplainable. So, fucking. I'm sorry that I'm a little skittish.
5: Nihilus puts his hand on Trevor's back. And that's a nobid.
0: And, Esper, you see... You start to see possibilities. Thousands of them. You see Nihilus put a knife into Trevor's back. You see Dr. Glass throw her cane to the ground and run as slowly as she probably would uh, to try to tackle Trevor, you see just all sorts of possibilities of violence and friendship and hugging and making up and conversation. And all of these possibilities, they play over in this, this rapid succession, so much so that where people are and what they're doing becomes a blur to you. It feels like it's slowing down and you're standing in the center of this room as the only thing that is clear the only thing that doesn't get twisted by this blur of possibility is the orb and this is the moment to make a decision on what you are going to do about it
1: in this flurry of possibilities from an orb that I feel like spreads lies was there anywhere within that the possibility that Trevor will be okay.
0: You search for that possibility. In a haystack, you search for the needle. You try to pluck that one circumstance that Trevor is okay. And it's hard to see. Though, if you take a small step in its direction these possibilities, they play farther. It's like your vision starts to zoom out of this cabin, and you see the possibility where the party, the group goes out towards the Citadel, and goes towards Port Hillcrest, and goes to find the first ship that's going to leave, and and that's just what you get with one step.
1: Esper's going to take that one step, and it seems like they're absolutely fixated on it, where the orb is.
0: You see as as you go to Dr. Faust, and you throw his flow ether onto the ground to shatter it at his feet, you see as Trevor is packaging a box that he has poured gold coins into, and he addresses it to Freya as he puts it onto a carriage to be posted. You see Nihilus as he sits before a man who's in pain on the ground, puts his hand on their head, and you see they are healed, and then you also see they are decomposed. Both are equal, equally possibilities. And you see Dr. Glass as each one of her possibilities seem to always lead to the same place, to the Citadel. It's where she always seems to end up. And that's just with one more step as you're standing just a few inches away from it.
1: Esper considers this, standing still now, thinking over the things that they just saw before turning around to face glass. It was... it was... it was okay when you two did it. Uh, Nihilus, could could I have that? Just a moment.
5: Right. And he cast guidance over...
0: Esper you remember being a child you remember being at a show of fireworks and you see as a very strange purplish blackish whitish hue firework sails across the sky and doesn't explode but strikes somewhere in the woods. And... you kind of know where that is, the direction. You'd find yourself there often when you were playing as a kid. And you remember later going to find it. There was a crater in the ground. You had to crawl over the edge of it to take a look. And... at the time... You couldn't tell what it was. It glowed too bright. Though, now looking back, you see an orb very similar to this one. And then you see, you see young Esper tumble down this hill and go to touch it. Though you also see her turning around and never having interacted with it to begin with. You see the normal life she could have lived. She could have grown up to work with her father, take over whatever business he had, be a regular adult. You see the possibility that you never entered the system to begin with. And as Esper touches this, Esper, you feel that energy that you had been harboring, that same energy that you could tell was in that cane, draining itself into this orb. You're going back to normal, and everybody in the room begins to feel a similar sensation as Nihilus. You see, whereas you could have taken up the cloth, you saw the possibility that you didn't. You saw who you became. Instead, you saw the possibility that Father Patrick trained you not on inquisition, but instead on priestlyhood. And you became a paragon of light, able to heal people and bring them back in the highest reaches of the testimonium. You see the possibility where you took this book, this red twisted testimonium and you filled it with spells of dark repute and your power grew to a fearsome level to rival anybody who would ever stand in your way. Trevor, you see that last moment before heading to the camp with the hag where you turn to the Black Bulls and tell them we don't know enough this is too risky we need to investigate a bit more before we approach this place because it could be dangerous and the black bulls did that and you found that there was treachery and dark magics and you never went you also see yourself sitting up It's hard to breathe on a bed. As you lie back down and you just can't catch that last breath, the wheeze that has followed you and gotten worse to this point, there's no muscle left in your chest to rise it one more time. And Dr. Glass, you see as you were there in Abelard's office. Lord Felix Royce came, you know when you are because you saw it when he gave you a vision long ago. It was that night that he was meant to have killed Abelard Cook, but you happened to be there. And as he w- went in, just as quickly, he said, oh, never mind. And he walked out and it never happened. And then you also see yourself approaching the tower In this world of endless possibility. And going down into these dark levels. Down to the elevator, down to the deepest point, down these winded stairs. And you start to see, besides carved rock of mines, structure of ancient build. And in this moment, every single one of you can grab on to one thread of the possibilities that are before you. As we are all going to level up and you can pick which possibilities you learn from.
1: That we learn from, not necessarily that we can take and replace our current reality.
0: No, you... As if you could look into the encyclopedia that is every single possible outcome.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You can find one version of you.
2: Of the past, like going back.
0: And see where their path could have gone and learn from it. Let's start with Nihilus. What is he looking for?
5: For Nihilus, he right now he wants to do well <laughs> that doesn't matter if I say right now or if I say 10 years ago, he wants to do good he wants to help people, he wants to help the people he cares about, his mentors in danger right now perhaps the entire island is with all these mysteries and everything that's going on he looks at these realities, he doesn't believe them to be true, yet there's a distinct difference in the three that have been shown in front of him, the priesthood, inquisitor, the, the inquisitor, and the red testimonium. The priesthood, it's, 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 it's a fable, it's a dream, it's something that was not reality, it perhaps it could have been by learned from something which is already so far away already. And there's Inquisitor the, the path that he's on right now he just he, as he reaches out there's a moment that moment that he thinks back about all this time that he's been on this island and on his journey and it's like nothing's gone his way he's, he's, he's failed time over and over again and even though you know these great people among him right now that he can call his fellow friends it's they always in danger, always in trouble, it's it's just not enough. So he sees the inquisitor path of reality right in front of him and he reaches out, but then last second there's something that that snaps. He realizes there needs to be a change and the only one that actually shows a difference of a future possibility that he can learn from is with this red testimonium. It was his friend, his colleague, at some point, even his mentor who wrote this book, it couldn't have been in vain. He doesn't quite understand it yet. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean you have to fear it. It's what a great friend recently told him. So he reaches out to the, the reality of the red testimonium of him gaining power, not for evil's sake or for egotistical sake, or but for the sake of others. And he tries to learn... And with his best, the power of it, without drawback of it, because he knows there must be some, and he will try.
0: You can learn, besides, of course, leveling up your character to suit, uh, two necromancy spells that you're able to cast with the spell levels that you have, addition to the level up. You see yourself... As you hover overhead, this other version of Nihilus as he grips the page. And you see the testimonium on his desk, the red testimonium, all these priestly symbols. And though no clear path of good or bad, or right or wrong, it's never really mentioned in the testimonium. You see this darker path, and you take it. Dr. Glass there is a sea of possibilities. It's not just what I described. Is there something in particular that she might latch on to to learn from?
2: If I may, I'd like to tell you the two things that she's choosing between
4: mm-hmm.
2: the one that she's tempted by, and then the one she chooses.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and by she, I mean she and I, because she has been angry and feeling less than human the past few days. And the first thing she thinks of, she wants to swing big. And the very first thing she thinks of is confronting Felix in the Witchvale Forest after he kills Abelard. That in this reality, left her with a limp and a nemesis and questions instead of answers. And she thinks, what if Instead, she'd said, show me, show me what you're doing. And they had learned together and she knew what he was doing. And she had whatever power and madness that led to. But she thinks of all Esper has grown in this room. Esper themselves and her understanding of Dr. Glass's understanding of Esper. She thinks of how angry she's just been at her, her companions and how they have given her some grace and done their best to listen to her. And she decides to also trust her old self and her old abilities to bring the best out of people And so she goes back to that room with Felix and Abelard. And what if she had gotten all three of them to work together? And they'd gotten the best possible out of all three of them, of their knowledge and their power and their visions for a better world. And she had not worried about Abelard's limitations and Felix's ego to the point that she floundered in that moment.
0: And which does she pick?
2: The trio. She picks looking towards the best in people she once trusted, including herself.
0: Trevor. A sea of possibility. And... It's interesting because for you, it always seems to converge on the hag's lair. Yet, in those fleeting strands that precede it, you could have been an entirely different person. It's true. What do you grab onto?
3: Looking into every single branch of the tree, every possibility... Trevor thinks briefly about what his life would be like if he had never gone into that tree. If he had never flown off the handle and gave in to his instincts to protect. Just to protect, to survive. To... To kill... And he thinks back to that. They're at the tree. The bulls are around him. And believe it or not, the one that he focuses on is one where he still goes in. Where he faces down the hag along with his brothers. At the end of the day, he's lived his life for scant few people, and that's never really changed. His heart is taken, the bulls are killed. He is given five years to live. And as he wakes up at the edge of the bog, he realizes where his priorities lie immediately turns tail and returns to Beale first going to the Obsidian Legion headquarters and collecting the reward money for Operation Wicked Winter that was enough so that if he got it it would set him up for life and now he doesn't even have to split the money so returning home he embraces his wife still holding their infant daughter at this point, and he realizes now that he can at least live his final days in comfort, but not only that, that his wife, his mother, never has to work again. His daughter can go. We use some of that money from the job. He tires early and they board the first ship to carry them down to the other end of the Emperor to the Sovereign Sea Gate. Where, with the money that Trevor got, he immediately pools it into a fund to get release his daughter, into the very best school that he can give her. And with as much time as he has, he spends every single day with them. Until eventually, in their very nice house, in their very nice bedroom, in their very comfy bed... Six year old Elise, not quite understanding. Trevor comfortably and finally passes on.
4: And Esper.
1: Esper's hand shoots out almost immediately, trying to reach for the image of themselves climbing out of the ditch without ever having gone and committed and it's hard at that moment for Esper to determine whether or not they're imagining it themselves or if it's part of the orb helping but they're trying to imagine what they could have been like had they never went into that hole they could almost hear their own voice humming a song that their mother sang when they were baking bread honey cakes, cupcakes just fresh loaves of sourdough what it would have been like to use their father's old tools as they took up the business and done wood carvings and insignias and all sorts of work. But what makes Esper hesitate is knowing that that is a reality that is not something she is allowed. To learn from what can't be in that moment, something that Esper has imagined so many times while they're not somebody who understands much they understand that to pull from that is to only increase the unspoken void of regret that lives in their chest they can't learn anything from being normal they aren't normal they never will be normal normal So their hand drifts and moves across, trying to search for a reality where. For a reality where not even that they could make themselves live day to day as best as normal as possible. They look for where they can use the tools that they have to be effective, to protect themselves to keep people safe because people have fallen under their watch lately and they feel the weight of that. They feel the weight of having decided whether or not it was their hand that did it to kill somebody. And they realize that they need to learn how to do that more efficiently. They need to learn how to take as their mind immediately and inexplicably flashes a moment of that charcoal figure. They need to learn from what they've done in the last few days and how to harness it. They need to learn how to do better to be better, to do what they can to be effective to the people around them because she does not want to lose them too.
0: And you do. You learn from all of these things. And you'll level up the characters with what could have been in terms of past and future possibilities. And Esper, as you do so, you find yourself back in that room, the pillar in the center. And leaning against the wall, arms crossed and one foot propped against it, The man turns his head to look towards you.
4: Now I told you, if you discussed this, I would know.
0: And he looks towards the pillar and you see a fireplace and a depiction of the group with your caricature speaking.
1: Do you think that I give a fuck whether or not you see what I'm doing? If you want to come for us, fine. You make that decision. I'm not handing her to you. I won't. I don't care what your motives are about it. I don't care why you want her. If she's going towards disaster, you let her do it because that is her decision to make. I don't care if you want to split my head for it.
4: I don't know why I even bother trying to speak to creatures so insignificant. You'll never understand.
0: And you see as the pillar in the center propagates a crack that leads from the top all the way to the bottom as it spirals down. And you will be She will be the ultimate
4: undoing.
0: As we'll end the session
4: there.